Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with ideas, questions, comments, or concerns that you may have. And Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, uh, can you, you know, here I'll, I'll paint a scenario for you. Okay. Okay. It's, it's getting near Christmas time. It's Thanksgiving. And now when you go to have your kids' pictures taken with Santa Claus, are they still doing that? And will he have a mask on? No, they're not doing that. They're they're in their thirties now, so they don't they don't get their pictures taken with Santa anymore. And but how about uh, people that have young kids? Is well, that something that's not gonna happen? I don't it's not gonna happen this year. I just we had the story this morning about Eckert's where they're gonna have Santa in a globe. And ah. so I guess you can wave to him, maybe yell at him, I want a toy truck, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, there's there's not going to be any lap sitting this year. Well, speaking so. of Eckert's, we're going to Eckert's tomorrow because we, for Thanksgiving, prefer rhubarb pies. Ooh. Not rhubarb strawberry, not anything else. Just rhubarb. And that's the only place that we know we can get them anymore. We really? We used to get them out of other places, but... Uh, those places are out of business or shut down or whatever. So, so you're going to Eckert's tomorrow? Yes. We well, had to reserve a time. <laughs> yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. So I'll check out and see if Santa Claus is there in a globe. It's a little bit early. If but. you do, wave to him. Tell yes. him I said hi and to be <laughs> nice to me. I, you know, I tried this year. I didn't always right. succeed, but I tried to be a good boy. Yeah, and I was curious, you know, Santa comes down your chimney. Yeah. So what do you do? Put a, a sign up at the top of the chimney on the roof telling Santa no admittance without a <laughs> you mask. You must wear a mask, Santa. <laughs> so I want to see him come down that chimney with a mask I, on. Get a picture if you can. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. How is he going to eat the cookies you leave? Right. Yeah. Or the milk. Or the milk. Oh, you know, it's it's even tough on Santa. <laughs> right. You know? Oh, darn it. <laughs> oh, Screwy times. <laughs> yes, sir. Very much so. <laughs> yes, it is Saturday morning, folks, and we get together and we'll have a discussion about your landscape. And uh, how about uh, your tropicals, your houseplants and everything else? I'm sure they're already inside. If they're not, they're, well, not necessarily. I've actually a couple houses in my neighborhood where I walk around. They still have some of the angel wing and devil wing begonias still in bloom, not showing any kind of signs of the cold. Still have a couple of houseplants that are sitting on their porches. Now, it is somewhat protected, and it's not on the north side of the house or anything else. 
But it's really kind of surprising that, uh, you know, people would just leave stuff like houseplants out. But if you don't have a place inside, you just kind of leave them out until they treat them like annuals and then just get some new ones next year. Should you be doing any pruning, any shearing? Is there still a concern about bugs, whether it be bagworms or something else? And use the information that I share with you, and uh, hopefully it'll make it uh, help solidify your options with the final judgment of actions going to be on your shoulders for sure. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Alex. He's producing, and he answers the phone. So when you call, all he needs is your first name and where you're calling from. And because uh, he's way above any kind of gardening stuff, so he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to hear that stuff anyway. Uh, I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like, and that's where I walk around, call a walk and talk, and discuss things that uh, you have concerns about, and I take, keep my eyes open for things that I think could have an impact on your landscape. Today after the show, I'm headed to O'Fallon, Illinois. And going to do a walk and talk. And I do them rain or shine. Sometimes when it's raining, it's not all that fun to be outside walking around necessarily. But it kind of reveals what sort of the problems are or not. And so that's what it's it's great. So anyway, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Email and phone number are there. Email is probably easier way because sometimes the phone numbers and everything, but uh, anyway. Make an excuse for myself. Oh, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Massive ginkgo trees. I mean, underneath them, that golden leaves are still looking really cool. There's huge hollies. Multi-trunked maples line the street segment. Robins are singing out nearby. Crows are calling out from the distance. Squirrels are hopping all over the place. A red-buried hedge streaks along. Uh, planter boxes have U's in them. Probably it's a spreading type U. I, th- I don't think it's Densiformis. I think it's Nigra because they're darker green. There's some uh, iris foliage with the uh, tips are brown, but foliage still looks pretty good. Upright arborvitae and small leaf boxwood run along the fa- frontage, the foundation of this particular building. Well, where am I? Well, I'm in Tower Grove Park. I'm actually at the Piper Palm House, which was constructed in 1878. It's the oldest standing greenhouse west of the Mississippi. It was restored in 1992. Right now it's filled with tropical plants and on the inside, and chairs are arranged at proper distancing. So I don't know if they're – they used to do some holiday-type stuff there. I don't know if they're going to do that. They used to have buffets. I don't know if they're going to do that, but uh, who knows. Uh, there is a sign on the door that says, uh, reminds you, face mask required to come in. Robert P. and Ann C. Stump Plaza fills the space between the lily ponds and the Piper Palm House. The water cannons, well, they've been chilled into dormancy. The limestone-edged hydrangea or bed areas, there's other things you're going to see. You're going to see uh, hydrangeas with the brown uh, flower balls still there. Japanese maples, ornamental grasses, which are in massive clumps. There's some clump-growing bamboo, which are somewhat invasive but not too bad. And it's in the park, so they take care of it. They add some excitement. The Barbara Perry Lawton iris beds celebrate official flower of St. Louis 
There are several of those in there. Uh, the water lilies, well, so there's some that look pretty good that haven't really been chilled too much. So that's really kind of surprising. And as I start to head back towards the car, a flight of Canada geese, it looks like about 15 or so, are coming to land in the main pond area. And uh, there are lots of runners and walkers and bikers and everything else on this cool Saturday morning. So 314-436-7. What is that number? I can't even remember anymore. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Have any questions or concerns? Give us a call. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First caller of the day is Mike. Mike, how are you today? I hope you can understand me because I'm talking hello? into a mask, okay? Yes. Uh, hello? Yes, go ahead. Hello? Oh, yeah. Um, I was uh, cut uh, some of my leaves, you know, and ground them as mulch. My neighbor said too much of that's bad. I thought it's natural fertilizer. So uh, what's your, you know, I didn't think I heard. Well, what's your recommendation? Well, it's, you know, it's fine just so it's fine just so it's not too deep. But no, that's exactly, I mean, that's what leaf mulch is, is basically shredded leaves. And if, like I said, if you don't pile them up too deep, then it's perfectly fine. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. And now let's go to Jim and Jim lives in Wildwood. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Mike. Uh, my question's on uh, boxwoods. Okay. I've got uh, a lot of blotches. Uh, they start off very mild turning from green to tan, and then they go tan, and then they lose their leaves. And the blotches are about oh, six to eight inches in diameter. Uh, what have I got, and what do I do, and when do I do it? Well, boxwood are pretty much disease-free. I mean, there are a few things that could impact them. Is this uh, areas that have been pruned recently? No. No. In fact, in fact, this started uh, about three months ago. Hmm. How about, uh, are they are the boxwood close to the sidewalk or a street or something where dogs kind of urinate? Between, no, no dogs. Uh, you, know, you know, it's between a house and a sidewalk or, you know, whatever. Uh, nothing like that. Yeah, and it's, this is on the front side, not on the back side then. North side of the house. Not this on the side of the house. Boy, I'll tell you, I don't really know. I mean, it's got to be something I would think physical as opposed to some, because like I said, the boxwood are pretty much disease-free. If, they're, if the rest of the shrub looks healthy and, you know, dark green, you're just getting these little isolated circumstances and you haven't pruned them or anything else, that's a, that's a very difficult one. You know, I can't even no, guess. Not- it's not winter blotched. The only thing I see is kind of a, a very light, uh, I'll call it spider web type thing. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, spider webs are not that problematic. Spider mites could be problematic, but spider mites are not going to be you know prevalent now by any means. They could have been prevalent three months ago, but spider mite webbing it goes in between just the stem and individual leaves. It doesn't, let's say, consume whole big areas. Yeah, this, this is uh, consuming, you know, like I say, six inches in diameter right. or whatever. Yeah, I sprayed that... a little seven. I sprayed a little seven on it the other day, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to wait till spring. Right. 
Yeah, there's not really too much you can do. And, uh, you know, I can't come up with anything that I could think of that would be impacting him like that. So, sorry. All right. Appreciate the, the thought. Sure. More lack of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, boxwood are like, you know, I have some in my yard. And, you know, like, like I said, in front of Piper Palm House, they've, they have the the small leaf boxwood there, and uh, I would I didn't see any kind of you know, boxwood just in general don't have disease problems much at all. Let's go over to Andy's yard. Hi, Andy. Hey, Mike. Thanks for being on my show. Sure. Hey, I got a question for you. I've got two enormous sweet gumball trees. They're both a great canopy, and they're a scourge. You know, nine months out of the year, those sweet gumballs. Right. But this week, I've noticed, and I know it's been windy, These both these massive trees have really been dropping a lot of the green sweet gumballs. So they don't normally ever do this. You know, they wait till they're brown and, uh, and they drop. So I don't know if I should be concerned about them or if this is just maybe the warm weather, the wind, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's probably related more to Mother Nature than it is anything. Because, I mean, those are really seeds, so they really are not going to, if they don't have to, for whatever reason, drop those sweet gumballs when they're green because they're not mature seeds, and they're really trying to self-perpetuate themselves. So it has to be just, you know, related to the wind and things along that line. Okay, that's my main concern. I wanted to make sure there wasn't something, you know, going on, like a disease or something like that, but... Okay, well, yeah. that answers my question. Yeah, generally there's not going to be a disease that causes, you know, let's say sweet gum balls to drop prematurely. So it has to be something physical, temperature-wise, wind-wise, and things along that line. Okay, thank you, sir. Yep, and if 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Dolores, how are you today? I'm fine this morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. I have a... Japanese maple in the corner of my backyard. I live in Afton. Um, Something this past week got into the Japanese maple and has chewed the bark. I mean, these are big spots. Couldn't possibly be a deer. Has to be a squirrel. The problem is, is I'm afraid I'm going to lose this tree now because there's so many areas that they've chewed on. Um, is there anything I can put over the wounded areas of the tree to keep it from dying? No, there's nothing. Days of old, those sealers and things like that, wound sealers, had lead in them, but that's been taken out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So now it's just cosmetic. All you can do is if you see some frayed bark where it's been chewed, is just take a razor blade knife and you know, make it as... Uh, they took care of it for me. They, it's all laying at the bottom of the tree. Really? Wow. Yes. I mean, there there's some areas that are even a foot long where they have stripped the bark off the tree. You're kidding. No, and the tree is 20-something 20 20 years old because yeah. it was here when we moved in. I don't think a squirrel would be doing that kind of stuff, you know, to be honest. What else could it be? Raccoons I, <laughs> or possums? <laughs> it has to be some kind of wildlife, but I don't think it's squirrels. You know, and, you know, I mean, to the advantage, usually animals don't chew on stuff just for the sake of chewing unless there's something as a result that they need. And bark is not something that's going to give them too much. 
Well, it doesn't look like they ate it. It looks like they just stripped it off the tree and left it laying on the ground. Because hmm. that's what I first noticed was the the raw woods laying on the ground. And then when I looked up into the tree, I thought, "Holy Moses! There's a yeah, there's there's one area that's got to be at least twelve inches long and it's around the entire branch." Right. So you don't think there's anything I should do with it? No, it I go? mean, if, again, if there's any kind of frayed bark or anything like that, get rid mm-hmm. of that. But uh, boy, this is disastrous. And what it you is. might is this just on the lower part of the trunk, or is this higher? No, up? it goes all the way up. Well, I would have to say it's probably on the first six feet, but not the first three feet. But it goes all the way up to at least six feet high. Wow. There's a telephone pole nearby, and there's wires nearby, and I've always had squirrels. Right. But that's all I've ever seen in my backyard. You know, that's absolutely a mystery. So. Yeah, it sure is. I don't, I don't know what else could have done that except, like I said, unless it was a possum or a raccoon. Yeah, and I, you know, they're not so much bark chewers. No, I wouldn't think so either. <laughs> well, okay, maybe I need to buy a camera, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> one, one of those video cameras that exactly. they use for deer hunting. Okay, well, thank you so much, yeah. Mike. I appreciate it. Sure. Okay, bye-bye. Boy, oh, boy, that's what, uh, three questions I didn't know the answer to? Uh-oh. Don't, don't ask any more questions. I probably don't know because I'll get fired. Anyway, let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. Good Hi. morning. How you doing? Very good. Hey, I got a question that you're going to know the answer. I got three dwarf spruces that are about 18 years old, and they're real fat. I mean, they're huge. Uh, if I trim them suckers, they're going to be bald. That's the end of them, isn't it? Pretty much, yes. Because yeah, if you look them. inside of them, you've got about a six-inch area maybe that has needles on it, and then the rest of the stem going back to the trunk and everything else has no needles at all. And if you cut it back to the point where there's no needles, then there's you know there's no buds along there to make needles anymore. Okay, well, I'm going to have to get rid of them then, I guess. Thank you very much. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sorry bye. to, you know, but yeah, I mean, when you have nice, robust growth, but uh, things overgrow the spot, then there's not too much else you can do. So if you do have any questions, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. This is a good time of year to walk through your landscape or your garden space or whatever and take some notes on what has been really successful on this nutty year. And what has been very difficult or what you haven't had, let's say, the aesthetic value of uh, the particular plant that you anticipated. And, I mean, I've had – I get an email occasionally from somebody that's, uh, you know, they bought a particular plant and they've put them in and, you know, they, they're perennials and they didn't flower this year. Well, you're probably lucky that things like perennials don't flower in the first year because you want the root system to get established – so consequently, uh, you know, no flowering is good. So you just, I mean, when you're planting perennials, you're planting for a long-term run, and instant gratification is not what you really are after. So if you want instant gratification and you want perennials, fine. Get the perennials, plant those. They may flower, but you're probably, you know, you should just go ahead and cut the flowers off the first year anyway. But then to get some gratification, get some annuals and plant those in among the perennials 
if you know to give you that color in that spot. That's the best thing you can possibly do. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open. Uh, This year has been just totally wild. If you remember how wet the spring was, and then we had the dry summertime, and now we're having temperatures yesterday and a couple days before that, I thought it was like May, except when you're walking around, you're seeing a lot of the trees were already defoliated. But this is so strange, you know, to not have... We've had two days where Christie Park, which is across the street, there's been obvious frost on the ground. But that's been it. And here we are in mid-November, or past mid-November. So this is just getting really, really crazy. Let's head over to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. How are you? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Very good. So I have a profusion crab apple tree in my front yard. Um, my front yard is full of zoysia. And um, I didn't think it was going to, it looked like it was dying in the springtime, um, but then it started coming out with some foliage. Um, and then uh, in the summertime, it just looked kind of dull. And um, I don't know if it's something that I could go ahead and, and feed now, the root system, or is it where I'm weed eating the mound where the tree is that I might be clipping some of the roots? Uh, you probably, if you were clipping the roots, do you have mulch over the the area that you have? Very fine mulch, yes. Yeah. But so, I can see some roots exposed. Yeah, but I mean, you would actually see the raw raw area where generally a weed eater is not going to be able to do too much damage to the root system. And if it is, it's going to be more cosmetic than it is actually detrimental. So how old is this tree? Well, I, it's, it's at least 12 years old. Yeah, so that might be more of a factor than anything. Especially, you know, with the, like I was just talking about, the weather this year being so oddballish that, you know, the age plus the weather, you know, could be causing, the, you know, sort of the downhill slide. So you don't think injecting any uh, type of food now into the root system, like around the tree weeping area, would help? No, probably what I would do is if I was going to do anything is I'd get an electric drill, get an earth auger, which is a drill bit about an inch, and auger holes, concentric holes and circles around, starting about halfway out from the trunk to the extension of the branches, the drip line, and then backfill those with compost. So in other words, you're going to feed the soil, and then the soil's going to feed the tree, as opposed to trying to directly feed the tree with some kind of fertilizer. Okay, so install compost in those holes. Right, exactly. So go drill down about six inches, you know, with each hole, and then backfill that with compost. All right, sounds great, Mike. I appreciate it. Yep, good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, age can have a, especially when you get some of these advanced type hybrids, that, uh, I mean, the age factor steps in, you know, like it it depends upon the individual plant, but there is an an age factor that's going to play a big role. Let's head from Paul's over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. She lives in Belleville. Hi, Mary. Uh, I'm sorry. Hi, Mike. (laughs) Sorry. I'm very nervous. I'm sorry. Uh, Thank you for calling my show. (laughs) I got that in, too. All right. Okay. I heard you're having kind of a bad day, 
And I've been thinking since June that I wanted to call you about this issue, but I didn't want to give you a bad day. Ah. So since you're already having one, I'm going to add to it, okay? Okay, perfect. All right. Okay, when I called in April and I asked some advice about my boxwoods, uh, I was wanting to get, I wanted to cut them down. They were close to five feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to cut them down like, to a foot or 18 inches. And you kind of told me, no, I can't do that. That's cutting too much off and they'll die. Well, I decided to try it with one of them. And I did. And it has come back since April when I cut it down. And it is big and bushy and full. And it's only about maybe two feet high now, which is where I want it. But all the Stems inside, all the big pieces, they've all cover, come up with new growth, and they just look perfect. Wow. It just looks perfect. So I'm going, I have now, since that time, cut the other four of them down. It was later in the season, mm-hmm. but I'm anxious to see if they're going to come back in the spring. Right. And I will call you back and let you know. That sounds perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just good want to let I mean, you know that. Usually yeah, that, uh, you know, you got yeah. uh, everything was just, you know, absolutely right weather-wise and other things because I've seen them cut down and no recovery whatsoever. So I understand. And I, and I take your advice on 99% of the things you say, but on this one, I just had to try it for myself. Well, that sounds and perfect. And I did, and it worked. All so, right. But thank you very much, and I hope I didn't add to your bad day just too much. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Well, hopefully next week will be better for you. Yes. Well, okay. or just even the rest of the day, because I'm heading oh, over in okay your area. To O'Fall- well, not Belleville, but O'Fallon, Illinois, so they're not next I to each other by any means. actually sitting in O'Fallon right now. Oh, really? Wow. Yes, at my daughter's house. <laughs> well, perfect. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, you you have the good rest of your day. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Yep. And now let's go over to Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Hey, Terry. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, um, an earlier caller talked about problems with their boxwoods. This past winter, I had a row of um, about six boxwoods along the driveway. And uh, I noticed that the face of them closest to the driveway had turned a strange shade of orange. Um, My landscaper said it was from rock salt from uh, the the snow removal group. And but a couple of my neighbors who use different people had the same issue on the same side of the boxwoods. And it was orange. And I finally ended up having to take them out. So you're you're asking me what that potentially could be? It could, how close were they to the concrete of your driveway? Well, it's it's blacktop, but they were they were right on the edge of it. Yeah. So and it, I've had them for 23 years and and never had a problem. Yeah. So again, it, some of the plants when they get older are going to be impacted. So it was probably reflective heat off the asphalt. It could have been, you know, related to the fact of, you know, a little bit of rock salt. But uh, if your neighbors are having the same circumstance and theirs are kind of the same age, then I would say it's age factor. 
then related to reflective heat off the driveway. Ah, n- neither of which we've uh, considered before. Thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot. Sure, my pleasure. And now right. let's go from Terry's yard over to Richard's yard. Hi, Richard. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, uh, the lady who called who thinks the squirrels are chewing the bark off of her tree. Right. Well, if it just happened in the last few weeks, it's most likely a big old buck deer rubbing his horns on it. Yeah, she lives in Afton, and there's not too many deer in Afton. That's why, you know, I understand that that could certainly be the case. But Afton, uh, I don't know if there's been deer in that area for decades. But maybe it is. Maybe they're, you know, migrating because of whatever, and that could be the problem. I thought deer were everywhere. (laughs) Anyway, this time of the year, they roam far and wide. (laughs) Oh, you aren't kidding. They certainly do. We've seen them. Anyway, I just thought that's what it sounds like, what it was. Yeah, well, thanks for the insight. But, yeah, I thought that initially, but when she said where she lived, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't any deer in there, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the area that we live in, and I have to be honest. Now, we have seen deer along the River De Pere through in a cemetery and stuff, so it's not to say that they couldn't be there, but uh, it's not, not no, something that's going to be a normal circumstance. But thanks, Richard. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Yep. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, holiday season, yes, poinsettias. Yes, we think of those as uh, kind of Christmas-type stuff. Uh, what you need to do if you get a poinsettia and it's uh, basically already colored, then you don't have to do anything to it. If it's one that you've been growing as a houseplant and uh, it's still got, uh, let's say, the green bracts, they haven't started to turn colors yet, you have to put them in complete darkness from like 5 p.m. until, let's say, 6 or 7 in the morning until the, you know, the color starts showing. So that's what you have to do. And... You know, what you say, why, how does that happen? Because these are natural, you know, I mean, they're real plants we're, we're native to. But anyway, their, you know, their season is just basically about that much darkness. So that's why the plant, that's what triggers it. And that's why you have to sort of emulate the very same thing in your own landscape. And basically that's what greenhouses do. That's what the botanical garden does, you know, for their holiday season type stuff. So they shut, you know, they shut down to total darkness, some of these areas. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Well, somebody called that lives in Afton, and she says there's lots of deer in Afton. So that shows you I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So anyway, let's go over to Kristen's. And Kristen, how are you? Hi. I was wondering about um, trimming rose bushes this time of year with the wonky weather that we're having. I've been wanting to get out and trim them down. Uh, we've got some knockout roses that are about three years old, and they're looking really yucky. Um, is it advisable this time of year, or should I just wait? No, you could do it now. Okay. Yeah, there's no problem. Actually, it's you know surprising as I wander around you know through my walks and stuff. One in the you know early morning, then one in mid afternoon. I've seen a, some knockout roses that are still in flower. It's like kind of surprising. Uh, and I you sure know. wish mine were those. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't look good at all. Yeah, that's you know. I mean, there it's just a nutty time. 
Speaking of yeah. nutty times, not related to roses necessarily, but I was walking by an arbor and I saw there was clematis that was in flower. Huge white oh flower goodness. about four to six inches across. They had like three flowers on it. And it's like, what? I mean, now, this is what unbelievable. Do you think, what do you think these plants are going to be doing in the spring? Do you I think don't... they're going to be stunted? No, I think they'll probably be fine. It depends upon the winter, of course. But, uh, yes. you know, if everything, let's say, is quasi-normal, I don't think, you know, flowering this late in the season is going to have an impact. Okay. Well, thank you. I love your show. Well, I really thanks. do. And it's your show, as you know. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Yes. And now uh, let's go to O'Fallon, Illinois, where I'm headed later on today and into Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Welcome to O'Fallon, Illinois, this afternoon. I hope you enjoy your visit. I will. Uh, Mike, you and I spoke uh, several weeks ago regarding uh, the, uh, the chipmunk situation here in O'Fallon, mm-hmm. Illinois. And I wanted to, uh, two things, give you a little update on our situation. Um, we tried everything uh, that was all natural to dispel those chipmunks, and absolutely nothing worked. And so against my better conscience, we finally got some rat traps and put Velveeta cheese in it, like it's said to do, follow mm-hmm. the directions, et cetera, and had two of them and set them out. And this is how... Uh, ingenious these chipmunks are and the squirrels too for that lady in Aspen. don't trust them because they're cousins and i'm sure they're not trustworthy <laughs> they're cute but they're not trustworthy <laughs> so anyway we set the traps put the velveeta cheese in them and uh, you know put them in, in different places and and this is the truth i watched the chipmunk take the velveeta cheese from the trap he sprung the trap and then took the cheese flipped the trap over and gave me the sink eye and took off. <laughs> that is true. That is the truth. And I, so we did it again, thinking that, well, that was a fluke. I didn't have it set, you know, trap set correctly. He did it again. Wow. So, yeah. I, chipmunks, you got it. You're on your own. You, but <laughs> so now in the last week or so, they're just gone. And so now my question is, pardon me, um, do they hibernate? Yes. Because, I mean, they do? But they, well, they, probably, they only hibernate basically when it gets to the point where there's nothing for them to eat. So we're getting, even though the weather's warm and everything else, they could be, you know, in hibernation. Well, that's what they're doing. They're right. just mounting an attack for the spring. But <laughs> just advice to my our sister listener there in Afton. Don't trust those little squirrels. That's probably what that is. They're just trying to, uh, you know, fake you out with blaming it on the deer, and that's not working. <laughs> but anyway, update, chipmunks, just let them have it because they're smarter than we are. <laughs> um, thank you again for taking my call, and um, we'll look for the. I'll update you in the spring of the situation out here in O'Fallon. All right. That sounds perfect. Yeah, thanks thank a you. lot. Yeah, growing you know, growing up in Ellisville, we had chipmunks underneath our front porch, but uh, my mother liked them. So I mean, that was, you, I mean, they were just kind of part of the nature aspects of Ellisville. We moved out there in '55, so they were they were probably living in that area before the houses were built, and then consequently said, "Hey, this is our property, and we're going to stay here." And yeah, we just let them go. It was kind of like. My, both my parents kind of had I sort of, let's say, 
natural type philosophies. My father, anything that was green was good, so we never did any kind of weed control in the yard at all. And then, like I said, chipmunks, my mother thought they were really cute. And I guess they are cute, but uh, and they never did really any major damage to anything. They were somewhat, I guess, aggravating, like the lady who just called. But uh, it's just, you know, there's so many things going on in the outdoors. It's just absolutely unbelievable. So um, inspect your trees and shrubs. Look, at, you know, especially the evergreens like the junipers and make sure that they don't have any bagworms hanging on them. And if they do have any bagworms, if you don't feel like pulling them off, just take a pair of scissors and then cut them off, or you can cut them in half because those bags, they really only contain eggs, and if they're exposed, then the weather's going to kill them off. And make sure that you start you know, cleaning up your perennial beds and things like that because that's going to reduce potential. In other words, cut the foliage off, get rid of the foliage, any of it that's brown. It's going to reduce potential d- disease damage and overwintering insects along there as well. And I don't know how much it's going to rain today or this weekend, but, uh, you know, moist soil is really crucial for plant materials, root systems to make it through the winter if we have a screwy, cold, extra, you know, crazy winter. So moisture is important. Yeah. Especially for not only you, but the plant material, too. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the second hour, and that is the tip of the trial hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Alex will be answering the phone, so just your first name and where you're calling from with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. We've had a lot of chipmunk comments and a lot of deer comments. And, Chipmunks, uh, <laughs> huh? And squirrels. So squirrels. it's been a rodent-type day, except oh. deer are not really rodents. But anyway, so just a question, not yeah. related to kind of you, but is Kevin Colleen doing the holiday radio show this no, year? No, no holiday radio show. Wow. I know. It's like vacation for him. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, that's a big deal. Right. He's got to start. I think he starts writing that usually around October. Right, because he writes the music earlier. as well as the script. Yeah. Gee, man. So Christmas. all that talent going to waste. Right. Yeah. I mean, the talent from KMOX and himself. And too. himself, yes. Yeah. So another <laughs> another victim of the coronavirus. Gosh, so, yeah, I know. It's a shame. It's too weird. It is. But uh, I'm going to give the tip of the trial, but I'll give it to you first. Uh, people that are putting out the holiday decorations... You know, a little bit early. Most For the most part, I go, ooh, it's a yeah. little early. But, you know, it is nice, you know, to kind of see some bright colors. And thanks to everybody also that did all the Halloween, or Halloween decorations, mm-hmm. too, because it was a very dramatic year with a lot of inflatables. I Anything think... that can brighten you up. Right. Period. Exactly. You know? Because I'm that way, too. It's like Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. No way. <laughs> right. Last weekend, put some lights up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After I get back from O'Fallon on you know, today, what I'm going to do is I got we've got all, all our outdoor stuff in the garage. I'm going to mm-hmm. start going through uh, the lights and plugging them in to make sure they work. Because mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, we had several strings that were just, they were old and yeah. Didn't do anything. So Yeah, we've got half of a string that won't light all the time. And I go out there and I kind of flick the lights, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like it doesn't matter which one I hit, but when I hit 
And there's like three or four that if I hit, they come on. I have no idea what's going on, so I'm going to have to replace those. But, yeah, we did the same thing. Plugged them in, they worked, put right. them up, and half of them didn't. It's like, great. But, yeah, we never decorate this early. Yeah. And it's like, let's just do it, you right. know. So, yeah, you got to – anything we can do to, to cheer things up a little bit. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And now that, you know, the foliage is going off the trees – that makes it even sort of like, yeah. looking out the window here, everything's brown, which I'm glad there's still brown leaves. But in another couple of weeks, they're all going to be on the ground. It's just going to be skeletized trees. Yeah. Wow. So we're depending on you to cheer us up. Bring <laughs> us some some gardening <laughs> life here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the pansies are still looking good, though. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, looking pretty. <laughs> okay, folks, thanks for having me on your show. And we can discuss plant selection, cares for, ups and downs. Your annuals, just like Brian said, his pansies are still looking good. Your bulbs, have you gotten... There's some houses around us that still have their elephant ears in the ground, and some of the elephant ear foliage still looks pretty darn good for this, you know, this time of year. Mine are all dug up, and I actually got them into the basement. I got them in paper bags. Took them in the basement and put them on a, underneath a workbench. And your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. Uh, when I was at the uh, Tower Grove Park, I, st- you know, I was looking at one of the pools. And I thought that pool had koi in it, but I didn't see any of the koi. And I'd wonder, I was curious if you know, the water was cool enough that they're all hanging down lower and I couldn't see them. Because of, you know, when I take my good gardening stroll, it's still pretty dark. So it's a little bit tough to see, you know, see sometimes down into the water. But remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is across the big board. He answers the phone and just your first name and where you're calling from. But he runs the whole show. He pushes the buttons and everything else. During the weeks and on weekends, I do landscape consulting, which I call walk and talks. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, homepage. That's my email address and phone number where you can contact me and we'll uh, set up a time where we can I can come to your home and talk to you about your landscape design, plant care, maintenance, and everything else. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Again, it's uh, going against tradition, but the people who do have some seasonal decorations out this early— Historically, I would, you know, I go, ooh, but it sort of you turn a corner and you see some bright lights, you know, down the street and especially some of the newer lights that are LEDs. They are so bright and it's, you know, with everything so like getting dull and dull and duller. So thanks to all those folks. So we're not going to be putting ours up until after, you know, Thanksgiving, but uh, we do some different stuff as well. So tip of the trial goes out to everybody who decorates the outside of their home, which shares it with everybody in the neighborhood. Let's get a call or two in before we take a break, and let's go to Wildwood, and that's where David lives. Hi, David. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I, I have a cool season lawn, and um, in September I did the whole core, core aeration, compost, overseed, and I gave it some starter fertilizer, and it's doing pretty well. Uh, what I'm wondering is, is there anything fertilizer-wise that I should um, do now um, before the winter really sets in? Yeah, there's a winterizer-type fertilizer. You could go ahead and do that. Okay. Does it have a, a, a composition 
Number uh, wise, is it mostly nit- nitrogen? Or? No, no, no. Low nitrogen, you know, phosphorus and potassium. But uh, for the most part, it's you know one that's been formulated for feeding cool season lawns late in the season. And, okay. You know, specifics. You know, every company is going to have their own, whether it's Scotts or anybody else. So just you can go to your favorite garden center and just tell them you want a winter, winter riser, and then put that down. Okay. Will do. All right. Great. Good luck Thanks. with that. Yeah, a successful lawn in Wildwood, that takes a lot of work. But uh, anyway, let's go to Alana and – oh, Elena. Elena, how are you? I'm good. Go ahead. Um, I have two large oak trees in my yard. Mm-hmm. And, well, one, they're still holding leaves. But the thing that has me puzzled is that they haven't dropped – any acorns this year. Should I be worried about those trees? No, not at all. They're going to drop them when they want, and I'm sure, I don't know exactly where you live, but aren't the squirrels eating them? Aren't you finding a lot of crumbs of acorns on the ground and everything else? No. Really? That's the thing that's (laughs) that's puzzling me. I was working out in the yard, and I looked around, and I went, there's no acorns. There's no acorn debris. There's no little acorn caps. Well, maybe this like, year, your particular trees, you know, I mean, they can alter years where they're going to produce more acorns than others, just like other trees produce, you know, fruits or whatever it happens to be. So maybe this uh-huh. was a year for, for both of them to have low production. And do you have any binoculars? You can just look up in the tree to see if there's any acorns hanging in the tree. I, I do have some, and I haven't looked in the tree with them. Yeah, I would take a look. And, and so it may be just one of those years where— Weather-wise and everything else, right when they were in flower, which they have to flower to be able to produce an acorn, which is uh-huh. you know, the result, the weather was just not right, and they didn't get pollinated correctly, so you may have minimum amount of acorns. Okay, another question. Does the fact that it has a lot of those hard ball things could that have anything to do with it? Generally not. The galls are, okay. you know, they're problematic from the standpoint, more aesthetic than anything, until you get so many on one branch that the weight of the gall can possibly cause a crack, you know, within where the intersection of that particular branch that has a lot of galls on it connects to the next branch or trunk. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, the only major problem resulting from the galls. But it doesn't impact really acorn production or foliage production or anything else. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hello, Ron. You there? Uh, yes. Go ahead. Uh, I have a, a Bartlett pear tree. It produces really well, and I want, wanted to get a start of another one. If I plant the whole pear, should it come up like next spring? No. It won't. You probably won't get any. I mean, growing trees from produ- from fruit production like that is going to be pretty much impossible. Best thing you can do is probably go to your favorite garden center, get some rooting hormone, take some cuttings. And some, and then get some potting mix for starting plant material and pr- roots of cuttings is going to be a better way to do it. Okay, and what about uh, what about uh, pecans? Will they possibly come up? 
potentially, but when you think about it, when you see pecans and you see, you know, if they haven't been harvested, how many nuts fall under the ground and then how many actually are right. germinate is going to be really, really abstract as far as number-wise and the potential is going to be very limited. And the same, you know, a good example, too, would be with the acorns from the squirrels, you know, planting them. Yeah, there's going to be some that comes up, but the number-wise, from the number of acorns of the girl, uh, girls, squirrels dig a hole and then drop them into the hole right. is really limited. Okay, back to the pear tree. Where do you, how, how do you get the cutting? Just any place, or, or does it really matter? Well, basically off the end, you know, the end of the branches, you want about a 9 or 12-inch, you know, twig that you've cut. Make the cut at a 45-degree angle, then dip that the end that you've cut into the rooting hormone, and then there will be instructions on, you know, how to plant it in the potting mix. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure, yeah, growing yeah. fruit from, uh, let's say, or growing any kind of tree from fruit or a nut or anything else is really, really abstract. So. Okay, well, thanks. Sure. And now let's go to Annie's yard. Hi, Annie. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, my question is, I have something boring uh, a hole next to my landscape bricks. Uh, there's no dirt around the outside edge of the hole, but when I put a stick in that hole, it might lead off maybe four or six inches in one direction or the other. I wonder if you have any idea what that might be. Uh, could be a couple different things. Uh, you have moles in your yard? No. No moles. Hmm. My no moles, no voles. Yeah, no moles, no voles. My guess Hmm. So does it go it just be, does it go straight in or does it bend? Well, it goes straight in and then it tunnels off to one side or the other. Yeah, that has Could a, it poss could it possibly be a frog? Nah, nah, frogs that's too much work for a frog. Okay. It it has to be some kind of rodent of some sort. So chipmunks or something along that line are are doing that. Okay. And like never a, seen a chipmunk, got lots of squirrels. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's my guess because, like I said, you know, growing up, uh, we had chipmunks underneath our front porch, and they tunneled underneath the, the concrete pad for our front porch. So, Well, about three feet from that hole, my ground has sunk, like about four inches, and I've filled it in with topsoil, um, but I, I just wondered if the two things could be related. They could be, but, I mean, that's more or less sounds like a mole circumstance, you know, with a combination of those two things together, as opposed to, you know, you said you don't have any moles. because yeah, I moles, have no outside indication of moles. Yeah, because, I mean, moles have two series of tunnels. One is at the surface, that's a feeder, and then another one that goes below that, and that's the one that they take back to their sleeping den. But uh, moles or voles, you know, or chipmunks, has got to be a rodent of some sort. Okay. Well, I stuffed some rocks into the holes, and now they burrow a hole next to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for your attention. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Now let's yeah. go from Annie's to Steve's. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mike. Uh, I have a blood good Japanese maple, mm -hmm. and this year during the growing season, it had leaves on it, but it had a lot of dead limbs on it, too. I cut all the dead limbs out of it later in the year. Right. And the limbs that are left now, they have leaves on it. 
but the main trunk, about four or five foot up from the ground, has split about four or five up and uh, four or five foot up towards the limbs. Does that mean that thing's about to go? <laughs> really shouldn't, you know. I mean, the split is that the the side of the tree that faces the sun. Uh, it would be on the. Yeah, close to the south side. Yeah, so my guess is probably got sun scald, and that's, you know, it caused a split in the bark. If it's an exaggerated size, you know, I'd be a little bit concerned, but, I mean, it could just be splitting in the bark because barks do split, you know, just with the maturity, the width of the growth as it increases, the diameter will cause Uh splitting in the bark. Well, some of it, it's it's over an inch wide at places. Oh, wow. That sounds like sun scald more so than anything. Does it? So just leave it alone? And- yeah. You know, any bark, you know, that you can feel that feels loose, go ahead and cut that off. But other than that, I wouldn't, you know, be overly concerned with it. Okay. Well, thank you very much then, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And now uh, let's see, where should we head? Oh, let's go to Paul's yard, and he lives in Sunset Hills. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, we live in a medium age subdivision 15 20 years old and a lot of us got uh ash trees in the front yard because they you know back in those days they didn't get seeds they didn't grow too fast uh they were a nice tree well you know a story with that so what would be a good choice moving forward our criteria are you know the sweet gums are pretty but they get those burrs and there's all kinds of uh you know, other ones that will flower and uh, attract the birds and drop a lot of stuff in the in the flowering season. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, somebody suggested a an, uh, gr- green gables uh, gum black gum tree. Yeah, I mean that's a, they're very slow growing, but they have great fantastic fall color. The leaves are really glossy, you know, during the growing season, and uh, they, I mean. Black gums are really good trees. There's no getting around it. Anything else you would suggest? Uh, I mean, the city's replacing a lot of the uh, ash trees that they've taken out because of the emerald ash borer. They're replacing them with elms, elms that are resistant to the Dutch elm disease, which was, I mean, dramatically traumatic for the elm trees back in the 50s and 60s. So that's what the city's replacing their uh, ash trees with. Oh, okay. They look like the old elms, the the low which had a real crown, almost like uh, four feet high. Yeah, this is an elm tree, right? Okay, so they're they don't crown as high as I might like them. Then right, exactly. But the I mean the black gum trees will get you know I mean they can get pretty good size, but it's going to be decades to get that big. Decades is good. Probably won't be my problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. And Bye-bye. now let's go to Don Jart. Hi, Don. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I have three trees. They're cottonwoods, and they're about 80 to 100 feet tall. Ooh. And I'm, I'm afraid they might be falling on my house. One guy came out and said, well, cottonwoods don't fall, and they're healthy. They don't fall. Well, maybe the, well, whole, I mean, tr- the whole tree doesn't fall, but along the greenway uh, that I walk— there's some cottonwoods along there, and some of them have lost some major branches in the last two or three years. I had all my, I had all my both, all three of my trees pruned for all the dead branches. Okay. 
Yeah, these were made. These were ones that I guess were just uh, they weren't you know dead branches. These were major branches that had foliage on them that during a windstorm or something, or they maybe they got struck by lightning. I don't know exactly what caused it, but I mean, like huge branches that were knocked down. The trees don't fall generally, but that that doesn't mean they can't lose some branches. Yeah, I don't mind them losing branches because I, I have it pruned whenever it's necessary. Right. Uh, I just don't want the trees to fall on my house and break my house. <laughs> yeah, usually they don't. I've never really seen a cottonwood go all the way over. Great. You made, made me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, bald cypress, cottonwood, you know, lots of different. Some of the river birch, I know I have not seen any of those really go over. But, uh, yeah, there are some trees that will go over. So, okay. Thank you. Yep. And why don't we take a break? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have a few phone lines open. But right now, let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I had several uh, hemlock trees planted along my property line mm-hmm. uh, about three years ago, and some are thriving and some are dying. What's uh, What might be the problem there? Basically, hemlocks don't like our weather. So even though they're for sale and you'll see some very successful ones, for the most part, like what happened, I don't know the number you put in, but usually you can expect a, you know, a certain percentage of them just not to be able to survive for whatever reason. You th- they all look healthy. They're all grown in the same production nursery and everything else, but they just don't make it for whatever reason. So it's weather as opposed to uh, either overwatering or underwatering or a soil condition? Yeah, yeah, if they were planted properly, so in other words, the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. So the ones that are, let's say, declining, uh, they haven't sunk, so there's a, like a hole or a depression right around where the trunk is where water could sit. But for the most part, you know, if they've been correctly planted, it's just weather-related more so than anything else. Is there anything I can do to help some that are just not thriving? They're kind of thin, and uh, as, as, as far as fertilizing is concerned? No, other, because other it's just like, you know, if you're not feeling well or you're, you have a, a dog that's not feeling well, feeding it is not going to make, you know, it any better. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take its temperature and see how it's doing. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that input. Sure. Yeah, hemlocks, I mean, they're great. They're fantastic. They look good, but boy, oh boy, their longevity, hmm. I mean, I'm even talking botanical garden. You'll see some fantastic specimens there, but there's been several that have been planted in various locations that just didn't survive, even under those, I mean, extremely, let's see, ultimate care circumstances. So now let's go to Carol, and she lives in Fenton. Hi, Carol. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, thank you for uh, moderating my show. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a good friend of me of mine gave me some black-eyed Susan seed heads. Uh, they're dried, and um, I, I'd like to start them before I put them in the ground because the yard guys, you know, could walk on them if I just scattered them. So um, can you tell me, do I just put them in a pot, a little uh, fertilizer, a little water? What, what would I do? 
Yeah, I would probably just uh, basically get some, go to your favorite garden center, get some potting mix for starting plants, and just you know fill a pot up with it. Put a saucer underneath it so you can keep some humidity and moisture in there, and just lay the seed heads you know on the top of the potting mix. Lay on top. Don't put any soil on top no, of them. No, don't bother because when they drop, you know, naturally in well, the outdoors, yeah. they don't get you know they don't get pushed into the ground. So just okay. All of them may um, not germinate, but uh, put them in a sunny location or under grow lights, and just kind of see what happens. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Yep. Have a great day. Yep. They're. I mean, black-eyed Susans are fantastic. You don't find too many things of. There's several members of the sunflower family that bloom for extended periods of time, and they are really striking. Let's go to Margaret's yard. Margaret, how are you? Hi. Thank you very much for your show. Sure. I have um, in my. I live in Kirkwood, and I live out in the woods, and I have lots of trees, especially oak ones. Now that the uh, fall has come, all the leaves are on the ground. And underneath all the leaves are ground cover. Should I blow that ground cover off of the leaves, off of the ground cover, or should I? Can I leave it there? Uh, if it gets too deep, it could be problematic. Is this evergreen ground cover? Or is this you know herbaceous type ground cover? This is myrtle ivy. Yeah. So in other words, they're evergreens. I mean, for them. Yeah. If the if the leaves the fall leaves get too deep, it's going to be you know trouble for them. So ultimately, you know, and the unfortunate thing with oak leaves are not like maple; they don't break down. They could stay there for you know for years. So historically, what have you actually done? Done both. Done both. So uh, I would say, I don't know. Is this really hilly? The area that you live in? Not not. A little bit, but not bad. Okay. What I would do is probably, you know, contact the lawn service and ask them if they have a mulching mower and just have all the leaves, you know, have them mow them. Mulch them over the um, uh, 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 ground cover? Yeah. I would say, you know, as long as, you know, just chop the leaves up, that'll help them break down. Then, you know, actually help, you know, the soil as they percolate down into the soil. But just to leave them whole... That could be real trouble. Look for trouble. As far as too, too much humidity, too much moisture, and then ultimately, you know, if they're so deep, they're not going to go anyplace, and then there's not going to be any sun that hits your, you know, your periwinkle or your vinca minor or your ivies, and then that's going to lead to their decline. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. Have a nice day. Yep, you too. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it could be it might, you may be fine because you said you've done it both ways, and it's you just don't know what's going to happen as a result of it, and especially with the ivies because a lot of times we're finding out as the ivies ground covers as they age and mature they start elongating. So in other words, they get big stretches of just stem with no leaves and no foliage on them at all, and there's only foliage at the end. So. All those kind of scenarios will play a role on, you know, the aesthetic value. Uh, let's go to Ella's yard. Hi, Ella. Yes. I'm calling in regards to the woman who had a problem with a hole by her landscaping brick, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, this may not be the problem. We had yellow jackets that had made a nest. Wow. So I, and it's, it was quite bigger than you would think for the size of the 
hornets, but she might look at that. It's too cold for them to bother now, but you right. know, in the spring they might come back. Right. So, so I mean, that's yeah. my comment. Okay. Thank you. Sure. That's mm-hmm. you know that in kind of you know insight. The size of the hole, I wouldn't have thought yellow jackets, but that's something that certainly you know does make holes into the ground. There's no getting around it. And now let's go over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hi, I love your show. Um, I had a question about, um, I have a very thick uh, euonymus growing up a tree, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that is will harm my tree at all. The you know, only it's a very, very thick vine, right. and it's going all the way up the tree. I'm wondering if I should remove it, if it's, if it's hurting the tree at all. It doesn't hurt the tree bark. It doesn't. The only time it becomes problematic as it's climbing the trunk, if it starts going out over the branches, then it can potentially be problematic by overshadowing where the, the leaves, you know, the foliage buds are. That's where the trouble comes. But just climbing the tree per se is not, you know, not that much. It's not a problem. Is it, is it robbing, robbing the tree of, 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 of water? No, not at all. Water goes up in the interior, underneath the bark. So, it, I mean, there's no water there. Any kind of water would just be running down the outside of the trunk, and the tree does not absorb water from the bark inside. Uh-huh. So the water okay. that a tree has only comes from the ground and then goes up through the veins of the vascular system of the tree to the, you know, to the branches, to the foliage, or to fruit or whatever. But they're, they're, they're not like in competition with, you know, with the moisture. You know, if there's a drought going on, you know, are they in competition with each other? No, not at all. Not at all. Oh, Okay. All right, so I don't have to worry about it. No, some people will, you know, they get, they just don't like the stuff climbing the tree trunk, but for, it doesn't really hurt, you know, hurt the tree whatsoever. I mean, you can go to Europe, you can see trees that are pretty darn old, let's say 100-plus years, that have different kinds of evergreen ground covers, basically, growing the trunks, and, they, and you can see it here, too. It doesn't really, you know, cause any problem. Yeah, I've actually seen, uh, I do landscaping, and I've actually seen uh, regular ivy, um, uh, like, cascading down from from trees right. with flowers on them, you know, like uh, mature ivy and with, with flowers on them, sure. you know, and I always wondered if, if that hurts the tree or not. No. So I was just... Just a question. Okay, great. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, again, the only time it becomes trouble is when the, you know, whatever it is that's climbing the trunk goes out over the branches and starts growing over the end of the branches and prevents foliage from being formed. That's where trouble comes. So let's see. Let's go to Jackie's yard. Hi, Jackie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I have planted two, uh, several emerald green arborvitaes. And I was hoping that they would, it, the label said they grow fast. Well, these were babies like 12, 16 inches tall when I put them in. They're not really that much bigger now, and if they've been in the ground for two years. It, am I supposed to be fertilizing them, or is, 
are they really slower growers than what the label says? <laughs> well, they're fast growing, fast growing in relationship to other trees. But for the most part, you know, anything that's small, it's going to take a couple years for them to get the root system established. And then once that happens, it's probably going to be the three to five year mark. Then you could probably anticipate any place between six and twelve inches of new growth per year. But oh, it's not going to be something that's going to be boom. It I won't explode in growth. A, I was hoping to have a privacy screen back there but of 8 to 10 feet, but yeah. uh, I guess that's going to be a long time. Yes, it will, <laughs> to yeah, be honest. Well, and I ask another question about sure. boxwood. We have a round boxwood that's getting pretty big, and I keep trimming it back every year in my husband. And it's a round one, about uh, four and a half feet tall maybe at least, mm-hmm. and nice and fat, nice and round. I was wanting to minimize the size. I know the interior will does not have leaves, so I was wondering if I gave it a severe cut in the spring and it's bare, just about probably, will leaves start to farm again? Well, I always tell people don't do that, but there was a caller in the previous hour that said she had taken like a four-foot-high boxwood and cut it down to a foot, Basically oh. just, and she, she said it leafed out fine. Oh, okay. And, you know, but I don't recommend it. But uh, <laughs> might, I might chance it, though. Because exactly. That's what she did because I had told her, prior, you know, six months ago or something not to do it, and she did it anyway, which okay. I can't believe she did. But Well, I think I'll disobey you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> it's getting a little too big for where it is. Right. <laughs> I'll chance it. Okay. Sounds if perfect. nothing else, I'll plan another one. All right. Okay, thank you. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you do have some tulips or daffodil bulbs or something, you're probably not going to get around to planting them. What you can do is put them in pots with potting mix and, uh, you know, force those bulbs. We were, I forget where we were the other day, but they had a whole bunch of tulips. And this wasn't a nursery or anything like that. They had a bunch of tulips that they were forcing, uh, you know, on the counters. So it was just kind of neat to see. But uh, you can still do that with your extra bulbs that you don't want to plant. And amaryllis, of course, are going to be fantastic. You can get them. If you got some that you've had in previous years and uh, foliage is still there, just cut the foliage off and then just leave them sit. You know, for a couple of weeks, then you'll start to see the flower stalk come shooting up out of the center. Let's head over to Jason yard, Jason's yard, and he lives in Clayton. Hi, Jason. Hey, Mike. I had a friend up north send some pastor seeds. Like, it looks like a bean, and it's going to end up to be a big, beautiful plant, I right. hope, with nice flowers. So do they do well down here, and can I start those somehow uh so I've got a shot at getting them as big as they can get this year. Can I start them inside, or if you can, can you start tell them me inside, about that? It's probably not worth the effort. But castor beans, I mean, I've seen some that can get like twelve feet high. I've got castor bean seeds, and mine usually just get about, uh, oh, let's say maybe eight feet high. They're not spectacular as far as you know the necessarily the flowers go, but with the foliage and the combination of flowers and everything else, they are very striking for sure. All right. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. So you don't have to start them inside. You can. It's just that if you do start them and they do germinate and sprout, just, you know, ultimately you got to get them out into the ground. I just plant mine straight into pots or into the ground myself. So it's just personal choice. Okay. 
All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, You might have addressed this already. I just, uh, I I couldn't uh, listen earlier, had an appointment. But uh, is it too late to uh, do a lot of trimming on your shrubbery? Not necessarily. It just depends upon the type. So, I mean. Well, I've got uh, boxwood, doesn't need a whole lot. Um, Holly. Roses, some knockout roses. I would say with your roses, go ahead and do it. With the evergreens, I would kind of have a tendency to probably, you know, wait until we're coming out of wintertime, sometime around Valentine's Day to prune those. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, our show. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, with the roses, I mean... Uh There's not a problem, you know, pruning those at all. Just the broadleaf evergreens, if you prune them, we have a severe winter, then you're going to get potentially more damage as a result of that. So, thanks, yeah. Ann. And, Dean, can you do it kind of quickly? Yes. I have a female ginkgo tree. Ooh. Uh, it was purchased from a reputable nursery over on Bear Station, and uh, they, they hoped it was a male, but obviously not a guarantee. It is about maybe five or six inches diameter of the trunk now. I've had it in the ground about 20 years, and it's starting to produce a lot of seeds. Yuck. Um, any thoughts? It's not a real bother right now, but I'm just thinking, should I just cut my losses and replace it with something before it gets too big? To be honest with you, I probably would because maybe you haven't been, uh, let's say, extremely ugh about these fruits, but uh, the fruits on the ginkgo trees can really have some nasty smells. So it's not only oh, yeah. just producing the yeah. seed, it's just the, say, the dog smell that's uh, really horrible. Yeah, it's a, it, is a, it is a non-pleasant smell, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> and so I would say, you know, if you want to kind of live with it, that's fine, but uh, if it's in close proximity or any place you walk by, you know what it's like. It's just absolutely horrible. So I my tendency would be to say start over. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, there's not any place that would want a, a female ginkgo. Is there? Be, it would be transplantable. It'd be hard, but it could be done. Yeah, I would not think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know some you know nature place or something out in the woods. They'd say, oh, we need to have a few female ginkgos preserved. <laughs> not that yeah. I've ever heard of. <laughs> Yeah. Well, sometimes you get lucky. Yeah, true. It's not always good. Yeah, that's surprising that they, you know, they couldn't guarantee it because uh, usually they will. Well, yeah, that's what they said. They, they, uh, and the guy that actually the guy that sold it to me was a was a pretty good horticulturist, and he said, yeah. uh, Thanks, Dean. We got to run. So, Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.